Welcome to Multiple Offers, a real estate show with competing perspectives. Today we are talking about lowball offers. Put that coffee down. Who likes lowball offers? If you're good at something, never do it for free. How'd you get the gig? All right, guys, we are going to be talking about lowball offers, what you can be doing with them. Share, I don't know about Matt's, but uh, that popped up on my screen, which probably means it's in the recording if you're making uh, comments. Um, but uh, today we're talking about lowball offers. I don't know about you guys, but we've been getting uh, a fair bit of them. What's going on with the market? Are they effective? What should sellers be doing? But uh, before we get into that, what's going on? How, how are you guys? Matt, I'm jealous that you're back in our official studio. Yeah, this wasn't really by design today, but I kind of had to rush to find a place to record and didn't have time to get sorted at home. So, ta-da! Yeah. Um, I mean, it does mean that our office is moving into phase two. So a progression of just where the business is at. So we're allowed to spend more time at the office uh, still being safe. Our assistant Debbie is working here some days and only half days. So she's not here a lot engaging with all the, the stuff around here. So definitely an evolution of things expanding. Um, with Debbie, um, how has productivity, like have you seen any shift between what her productivity was like at home versus in the office? Like, does it make any difference? I mean, she's such a pro. I imagine that she's pretty, uh, pretty productive outside of the office. Debbie yeah. is always productive. She's one of the most productive assistants um, probably ever uh, in the Remax, uh, probably even in real estate. Okay. Clearly, Debbie is right beside Jerry. One of the, <laughs> yes. Um, Hi, Joe. Hi, Debbie. I knew it. <laughs> finally got you on the show. I can, <laughs> yeah. um, I can ask, answer that. It's easier to work at the office, but I'm functioning well enough at home. She says it's easier for her to work at the office, but she's functioning at home except for her cat that is always trying to play on the keyboard while she's working. Yeah. Follow up. What papers I'm trying to use. Is it what else? What paper? He likes to sit on the paper. The, the cat sits on the paper. Uh, the viewers want to know what's the cat's name. Bear. Bear. Cassidy. We can hear Debbie. We can hear Debbie. You can really? Yeah, yeah, we can hear. Oh, technology. Okay, go. Question. Is it easier to work at home or in the office when I'm in there distracting Matt and Jay? <laughs> Debbie? Still in the office. Yes, excellent. <laughs> well, there you have it. What's been going on with you, Jer? Um, I don't know. This week's been busy. I wish we took a week off, but this, this week's been um, busy. A couple kind of new listings that we're just sort of getting ready and doing all the, the pre-listing stuff and videos recording and, and all that stuff. Um, had some pretty fun kind of sexy listings to, to put to market in the last little oh, while. The last two have been super fun to do videos for. Um, yeah. They, they just, yeah, they make it easy to shoot because they just look so great on camera, right? But um and and one thing too, it's been interesting. One of the one of the lofts is it's a um, you know quite quite nice one uh, on Columbia. It, it's got I think it just has appeal in general for people that are just curious about lofts. So I mean, we're watching we're just been getting a lot of hits for for the the YouTube views, um, and it's been interesting to see like it kind of transcends just like real estate marketing. It's just sort of a cool video that people want to just watch. It's kind of interesting. It, is it nice to return to your roots because you you kind of that was your niche for. The beginnings loft. of your career was loft. Yeah, loft I got it. I've got a new. We've got a new building now. I guess that we can we can sell in officially. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
Nice. Well, um, yeah, I don't know about you guys, but the, the kind of the, the reason I thought this might be an interesting topic today was um, I received the lowest lowball offer I've ever, uh, ever had in my career last week. $400,000 under the asking price. That's silly. What, who would even <laughs> bother as an agent writing that? <laughs> the, the best part is because, you, you know, you kind of always give the agent the benefit of the doubt. Whenever I get a lowball offer, I'm like, okay, well, the agent probably tried to talk her buyers out of it and then reached like a standstill where she's like, fine, I'll write it up and, and you'll see. Like, that's in my head how that goes. That makes sense. But I don't think that was the case with this one because when I replied to her, she, she followed up. I hadn't gotten back to her yet. And uh, I hadn't been able to, like, she followed up like two hours later. Like, it wasn't like I'd been keeping her on the hook. But she was like, hey, when, when can I expect to, to hear back? And, and I said, well, I'm going to talk to the seller this evening when he gets home. But, uh, you know, in all honesty, I don't think you're getting a, a counteroffer. And she was genuinely shocked. Like, she was like, but our job is to put it together. I'm like, mm, well, my job is to represent my seller. And my seller hates you. So, <laughs> like, I but what know. about meeting in the middle? Yeah, 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 totally. <laughs> like, <laughs> a completely arbitrary meeting in the middle. Yeah. So it, uh, it, it was kind of interesting. And, and you know, when I, when I had the conversation with the seller, because one thing people who don't work in real estate might not realize is there's kind of a don't shoot the messenger vibe that you have to be a little bit careful of with a multiple offer or with a lowball offer of how you present it to the seller. And it, it's, it's very easy for them to get angry with you, even though the, the lowball offer has no reflection on, on you as the listing agent. So, you know, I very clearly started with, Hey, you know, I have to present all offers. That's just part of the job. You're going to get mad. We're going to laugh at how stupid this is. And then we're just going to say no. <laughs> like it, uh, and it, it went, went pretty well. But I, I was thinking back on all my listings lately. You know, uh, in the last week, we, we sold our one on Agnes and we sold our one on uh, Nelson's Crescent, both of them for decent prices that were uh, just a little under the last comparable sale before all the world got turned upside down. Um, like very insignificantly how much lower, like just under. But both of those listings had multiple very, very low offers that we had to reject before we ever got to uh, a place with somebody who we could play ball with. So that'd be interesting just to have a chat about how you guys handle it, how we handle it, maybe compare notes a little bit. Did your uh, first, did, did the, the offer that you end up putting together, were they from, were they, did they just start off low? Or, and you were able to get them to, to come up with something more reasonable or did you just pick new people? Uh, both of them had offers that we outright rejected not to negotiate with. But that said, both of the offers that we ended up accepting started off, like there was a lot of work to be done. They, they started off much lower than would have been acceptable previously, even though they were willing eventually to come to something that... that and I, I want to move along and answer your other questions, Jeff, but it's stuck in my mind is this $400,000 under asking price. 
Yeah. Roughly, where is the asking price? Like, are we talking a nine hundred thousand dollar asking price or one point six million? Uh, in the middle, we're 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 talking okay. about uh, like one point three. Okay. All right. Yeah. Yeah. So not quite half price, but I do get people who have been coming to me and being like, so like we start with offers like 30% under asking price. Yeah. And it's, it's like, who, where, where did you get this idea? Why? Well, and I think some, yeah, something that's important for the listeners to know that we're maybe taking for granted is the market is good. Like there's a lot of activity right now. Ever since they announced we're moving into phase two, calls are way up. Um, I, I, I was, uh, in sort of a brainstorming session right before we jumped on here and the, the, the kind of general consensus with agents across the country was the next 60 to 90 days are going to be very good. Um, all across the country, there, there was a lot of fear of like, Hey, we might see a drop off again in the fall as all those people who haven't been paying their mortgages start to decide, you know, the people who've been laid off, who've been putting it off. Like we could see a flood of inventory. But I think, I think the fall might be great. It, I don't. I think the next sixty to ninety days are going to be very, very positive in the real estate market. Yeah, no, I'm, hey. I'm feeling that vibe for sure. Jared, go ahead. Yeah, I was just saying, and and even I was just pulling up like the 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 snap stats and and like you know even in the slowest portion of the COVID times, um, you're still like it on average. It's it's one percent off it's 2% off, maybe three. So pretty consistently, those are the numbers. And that's not really far off from just any typical kind of balanced dish market that, that we see, right? Yeah, you're, may, you're maybe getting an extra percent negotiated off from what you would have before. Yeah, but we're, and again, that applies to the ones that sell. Uh, yeah. There's quite a wide spread what you see active on MLS, or you can see some high asking prices that are out of line maybe with, with sales, but the ones that do sell typically are in line with other similar sales from the past. Uh, yeah. I just say five, six months, essentially like 2020 has been relatively stable as far as prices. Um, yeah. You were on a trajectory to increase, which we've mentioned many times on the show here already. So that that's what we could see coming. But yeah, there is this attitude that we've had from people saying, well, we're going to start low and we're going to push and there's bargain hunters out there. Um, really hoping that's what was going to happen. Um, but there's another segment. And I, I think I mentioned this on the show, our last show two weeks ago that I'd started hearing internally from our clients, people saying, well, now that things have opened up, I feel like the market's really going to pick up and get going. I want to pick up product now. And yeah. I had one client jump on it and get it. It was a product in uh, Cloverdale area. They're looking for something for a family member. And it was literally the cheapest condo in all of Surrey, South Surrey, even taking into account like some of Langley, yeah. the cheapest one. And it wasn't a bad building, it, but it was, it was 55 plus. It was age restricted. So obviously that brings down the value, but uh, he was like, we got to do this now because I, I only see it going up in, in price. You know, it was $210,000. Yeah. Yeah. I, I totally agree with that. I, w w one thing that I've kind of come to a realization and I'd, I'd love to know your guys' thoughts. I, you know, we always know the importance of pricing things right. How it's, it's really important where you, you price your listing. But I think now more than ever, because the lowball offers are so much more extreme, it's really clear that if you're overpriced, all you're going to get is the lowball offers. You're going to get the people who are like, oh, I can really beat this guy up and get a deal. 
Whereas the people who are willing to pay fair value, they look at you and they're like, oh, that guy isn't willing to sell for fair value. And their mindset, like you want the mindset of the buyers who don't want to lowball you. And those people are shopping for things that are properly priced. That makes sense. I mean, I, I'll, I'll say that like I completely agree with what you're saying that there are people out there trying to throw around lowball offers. We haven't received one because so far we have had really fairly priced listings. Yeah. So um, we're putting them on the market not, at a good not price. Enti- not entirely, Matt. We got we on see this on the uh, one of the the recent ones. They they I asked Jeff about like were you putting together someone who came in really low and eventually they come up and and that one started. We got a great price on it, but they just started and started on the low side and we just kind of went through the motions like okay, well, it started cool. on the low side but they they wanted it like we got we had a reasonable asking price they might have not been in agreement with us but we we thought we were reasonable in our asking price and 100%. we got and we're getting deals done in the first week of going on mls mm, right and, and that's the strength of it is people are willing like you said jeff to to move on it and i think if you turn into a three-week-old listing or anything older people start to see this opportunity to then start really throwing out those low ball offers and thinking there's desperation. It's a funny uh, switch that really flips after a few weeks. So to your point, Jeff, I think that first week on MLS is really critical for sellers. Yeah. Yeah. Big time. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's a, it's such a strange thing. And I find too the seller reactions, um, like a low ball offer in a normal market is offensive but a lowball offer right now is like oh what you think i'm like in such a bad position like i feel like mm-hmm. sellers are taking it even more personally which i get because i i get fired up about these lowball offers where i'm like what are you doing you like bottom feeding <laughs> yeah you assume i'm desperate and we yeah. both lost our jobs and we're just gonna hand our house over to you because we have no alternative and we're gonna go take our family and live in a car yeah, 100%. <laughs> yeah, but that, I would take offense to that too. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Such a strange, uh, strange so have, have you been writing many offers, Jeff? Because so far we've been fortunate, Jeremy and I, we're, we're getting quite a few listings, which is keeping the business moving along. But we haven't written an offer in a few weeks, aside from my one guy who really wanted that one for 210000 Um, Have you been writing and experienced things from that side of the table? No, I, when, when COVID started, all of my active buyers, uh, cooled off, which was fine. Um, and, uh, I've, I've been pretty good on the listing front, but all of my sales have been listings now though, uh, some of those people who sold are also buying in town. So I'm, I'm going to be, uh, showing my first property to a buyer on Saturday. All right. Yeah. We've had a couple new buyers come through our door. Uh, Jerry, you heard a rumor in the office that one of our colleagues picked up, like had a lot of inquiries for new buyers. This a lot of, yeah. I think a lot of people came out of the woodwork, um, a few new people, but, uh, like significantly more than what they would typically get. So it seems like when we, this past Friday in new West, we, you know, we had about 27 new listings, uh, for condos and, and townhouses. And I don't know, like that's already a, a pretty decent number for listings in general, but you know, also like on a Friday. Um, so we were kind of just wondering, is this something, is this just realtors getting back to work or is this, um, you know, a bunch of sellers that are like, I'm believing the media and I fear that the market's about to tank. So I need to get out while I can. 
Um, and then, but now from what we've experienced from, well, just from talking to one of our colleagues who's said like, yeah, we've got all these buyers have just kind of come out of the woodwork and they're ready to go. And they, the confidence is there. Um, and, and the response that we've had on, on this two bedroom listing we have that's in the sweet spot at the kind of the 500 mark in New West. Um, there's certainly adequate enough, uh, adequate amount of buyer, um, demand right now. So we can, we can totally have more listings come on and it, and it's fine because the demand seems quite high, but I'll, I'll know on Monday when we, we look at offers. I'm, I'm, I'm curious about two things. The first of which you mentioned most of your listings have been, uh, properly priced. Are you finding sellers right now, uh, that convincing them of where the right place to price the property, is it easier than it was before? Is it the same? Like, how are are they listening to your advice more or less the same how how is how are those conversations going it depends if there's overpriced inventory that's on the market right now that's comparable yeah as people can easily i mean before they talk to us right they're they're doing their own research and they'll see a couple listings and and they may have the information wrong they may be comparing something that's not actually comparable right um, so yeah i mean sometimes you can just have there's a bit of a disconnect there so it's it's I mean, this is this is uncharted time, so so there's there's going to be a bit of a learning curve for for people to for us to kind of explain like where where we're at. Like price is still it's still significant. They still have to be pricing these places sharp. Um, I, the expectations are. I feel like it's fifty fifty. I don't know if Matt would agree, but with with any of our, our new people, whether or not they're they're in line or they understand or they're thinking like, no, I was hoping for a lot more than that. Yeah, I would say expectations typically start higher, which is not uncommon for most homeowners. Um, it's been, I would say almost easier than it has been in the past to get them to accept that it's maybe less than expected, uh, because there is a fair amount of evidence to prove that. Um, as I was saying at the start of the show here, I think prices have been reasonably stable for the last five to six months. And so showing them that having a decent amount of comparables and an HPI graph, I've been using the HPI graph too, just to show stability. And they look at that and they say, oh, okay, I, I get that now. Like things, things aren't really changing a whole lot. And we have evidence of these different sales. And once we put that in front of them, they see it and they go, okay, well, yeah, it'd be unrealistic to think I'm going to sell for much more than all those other places that are, you know, similarly comparable to my home. Yeah. What, what about the first point of contact? Has that changed at all? Like where, where are, how are people finding you guys right now? Very good point because we think we've been very fortunate in that. Uh, we've never been really strong at meeting people. At least I haven't uh, like at open houses. Um, mm -hmm. I don't go out there and pound the pavement doing five open houses a weekend. Uh, I, I have a hard time just kind of making that connection, but I feel through our video and our marketing people are liking us. And so with the open house part being taken off the table, Jer's definitely noticed that maybe some of those people who would have met someone in an open house who isn't me is meeting me through video. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. It's we, yeah, I think we're pretty ha kind of happy with the way some of this stuff has been going. We don't, you know, at, at any given time you could have like in our, in our primary areas, you know, here and around new West, you could have agents from all the way into the Valley, Vancouver, North shore, and you know, take for example, like the key where someone, it's basically just one big street, one long street, and you have someone starting an open house at one end and say you're at the other end, you might not meet some like a great, amazing buyers, great fit because they found someone from the Valley who was doing the first Keyside Tower one. Right. <laughs> and, and that person's made a connection and that's that. And by the time you get an opportunity to, to be introduced to them, they're like, I think we're kind of gonna go with this random person we just met. 
who could could be a good agent, but you never know. Yeah, so I think to answer your question very directly, Jeff, where people are getting in touch with us, definitely seem like through an online portal that suggests they've seen our videos. Yeah, I'm I'm experiencing the same thing. We were talking about that before before it started. That uh, video seems. Well, I mean, you can see it in the consumption rate, right? Like people are home, they're they're watching video, they're engaged on Facebook. Jar and I's Eat New West group has got like three times the normal engagement. The, and I mean, that has nothing to do with real estate, but just people are interacting online more than they ever have before, and that stuff seems seems so valuable right now. And, and there's a lot of people too that are that are that we're seeing like when we're doing our interviews, where they're saying like, "Do you guys, you know, do you guys do video? That's important to us." Um, yeah. See now more than now more than ever, it's important um, as people are a little bit hesitant about going into to people, other people's homes and things like that, or or sellers are hesitant about having a bunch of uh, a parade of people through theirs. So it's that's definitely been like a hot topic. I don't know. It's hard to know if that's because I mean we've all been just amping up our video in general in the past you know year or two, um, but it certainly seems to be on like the fore forefront of people's minds when we're doing these appointments. Is is what do you doing it's it's amazing how things change from like are you taking your own pictures are you hiring a photographer what do your brochures look like are you just printing a black and white public sheet um to like what's your video game mm -hmm. like nintendo what's your video game <laughs> what's your video game like um do you can you animate my house to look like the 8-bit people yeah there you go oh hey it all comes back new west guys brilliant marketing <laughs> yeah cool well do you guys have anything else you want to chat about, about low balls or anything in general or? I don't know. I think low balls are just, it's kind of relative. So sometimes you can have a place that's totally overpriced and it's like, so if you're a seller, maybe if, if your price isn't quite where it needs to be. Um, yeah. Don't shoot the message. Don't get too upset because it could be that, that, that offer is actually not, not too bad at all. Yeah. I mean, that, that's probably worth talking about. Like how do you define, a low ball. If you're overpriced and they're willing to pay a fair price, in my mind, that's not a low offer. Um, whether you see that or not is another question. Um, or to me, a low offer is somebody who's like trying to get a deal, like something, something totally unreasonable. Yeah. Uh, a lot of times it comes down to like projected value too when you're getting those because it's like the buyers are coming from, you know, things are going to tank, like you should really take this. Like, well, show me what sold at that price. Like, you know, not that I, I don't want people to show me comparables, but because we we try to price our, our places accurately, but um, it's like it's just when it's an unjustifiable number, you're like, what, really? Yeah. How did you get here? I had somebody on uh, a place in Victoria Hill a few months ago send me a comparable that was a low rise on Royal, like not Victoria Hill Royal, the other side of Royal down the street and he's like, well, this one sold for X and you're like, yeah, but even though we're the same size, that's a low rise on one of the busiest locations in new West. And like what 30 years old. Yeah. Like, no, it wasn't, it wasn't old. It was like, uh, uh, those like down on Agnes, uh, like down Agnes Royal, like, uh, like that area where, um, I mean, they were newer, but not comparable in the slightest. Is there, I don't really deal with, like, I don't have a lot of buyers who are like, oh, yeah, we're going to go out there and we're going to grind it out. And we're going to write 15 offers and we're going to get a deal. I feel like you guys probably don't either. But, it, like, is there a correct situation to write a lowball offer? Like, do we have a place where that is the, the right move for the buyer? 
Yeah, I think you guys kind of both mentioned it earlier, and I've had this conversation with buyer, like new clients who've come in, who've sort of asked, and I said, well, to your point, Jeff, like I can, I can write a low offer if they're asking 700 and the, and the stats say it's really worth like 620 to 630, you know? Yeah. I mean, I'm going to write 600, which sounds atrocious compared to their $700,000 asking price, but it's more in line with, with where we see things. And I've never actually been put in the situation to do that because typically people who are at that asking price just aren't interested in accommodating reality. Mm-hmm. And uh, yep. we, we, we just tend to find it's a better fit. And ironically, uh, the people who tend to be severely overpriced also have a terribly presented home. The two tend to go together. Yeah. Huh. Yeah, that, that, that I 100% agree with that. I, I was reading a study that, uh, about the difference between owning things and, and buying things, how people, like they, they, they took half the group and they gave them a coffee mug, and then they took half the group and asked them to buy the same mug. And so the people with the mug, they were like, how much would you sell this mug for? And everybody was like, ah, around $5. And then the other group that didn't have the mug, they're like, how much would you buy this mug for? And they're like, ah, like, I don't know, two bucks. And, and like, even though it's just something stupid, there is this natural bias of if it's yours, you tend to value it higher. Like that's just human nature. If you own something, your perceived value of it is, is much higher than if you're thinking about buying something. I don't, I don't know why that's the way it works. And I don't know, to Matt's point, why people who don't care of said thing think it's worth even more. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't get it. But the, the, we've been so fortunate. Who have immaculate homes. Like you'd think it's them who are like, no, but look at all the care I put into this. But those people tend to be pretty reasonable, you know, for stereotyping. They're the most pragmatic because they, they see the reality of the world. They see that I can't just sell my home the way I live in it. I need to go and spruce it up to present it to people out there in the marketplace. And if they know they need to do that, they also know that the price needs to be fair for someone to care. Right. Yeah. They, they're already somebody who's putting their mind in somebody else's shoes. Right. Exactly. So, yeah. So, um, you know, I guess the last thing that I was thinking of, you're saying, hey, anything else about lowball offers? Um, And I've noticed it happening in building is some people maybe are starting too high and not getting that, like as as an asking price and not getting activity straight away and reduce their price. And when they reduce their price to something that's really where the market would pay, that's when some of the lowball hunters come out and they've been on the market for 40 days or 60 days or whatever. And now they're at this new price. So now I'm going to come in, I'm going to write this low offer and I'm going to scoop up a deal. And that's exactly when everybody else is also interested in it. So, you know, that's just how things are going to play out. You don't typically get both of those things together. Yeah. I think if you're a buyer, your highest chance of success is probably 60 to 90 days on the market. Or the um, they've reduced their price. That's usually psychologically when a buyer is starting to come to terms, or a seller is starting to come to terms with the idea that maybe their idea of what they're going to get for their home isn't in line with with what they what they hoped for. It's definitely not right after they did a price reduction because in their minds they've already lost ten, twenty, thirty grand, whatever they reduced it by. That's, that's still fresh in their mind. And like you said, yeah, they're probably getting a ton of calls because price reductions work. It does create activity on a home. 
yeah, if your new price is in line with what the market demand is, ta-da, it's all coming together. That's not the chance, that's not the time for a lowball now. The ship has sailed, right? Yeah. So just another sort of observation. But I think generally if people are still listening at this point, they're on board, they get it. <laughs> when do you think it's right to reduce the price versus when is it right to take it off the market and relist it at a new price? It's the same thing for us. So do you, because I know you guys take it off and put it back on a lot. Do you never just reduce? You always take it off and put it on at a new price? Matt? <laughs> okay, well, philosophically, uh, we tend to only reduce if it's a pretty big reduction. Um, mm -hmm. So when that time comes, it typically comes with a relist. Uh, it's typically aligned with some sort of seasonality too. We tend to look at it that way. So in general terms, we don't usually do a big price reduction in the middle of August, wait until September. You know, just kind of ride things out. Um, but our price reductions are usually pretty big. And so that typically comes with a relist. Um, we, if, and we talk with our clients about this often. If we're going to do a price reduction, we typically only ever want to do one. So that's, that's where it happens. We just decide one, what, what it's going to be one time. This has got to make a difference. This has got to make it happen. It can be a bit of a trap. I see like a lot, you see some nice people listing places and then they're like, say we're talking about a condo that's 500 grand just for, for, for example. Um, and you see like, just like a $5,000 reduction. And you're like, it, what did that do? If someone, would, no one was not buying or writing on offer on that property because it was $5,000 too high. So yeah. that's what we mean in terms of significance. It's like, obviously if someone, if they think it's worth 490, they're going to give you your 480. They're going to, they're going to at least, you know, do the dance, <laughs> but, um, it's gotta be, yeah. And then, yeah, sorry. That's a simplistic way of looking at it, but uh, obviously there's more that goes into it and different price brands and things, but, um, that's kind of the philosophy though. I, I can get on board with your idea of one price reduction when you have enough information to be able to sit down with the seller and say, look, we can see what's going on in the market. We see exactly why your home isn't selling. We need to be here. Like when you have enough information that you can confidently say, if we price it here, it will sell. Sometimes I find though you don't have that information. And in, in those cases, I don't think it's necessarily bad to reduce in steps so that you're not necessarily leaving price like money on the table uh, for the seller. Like there are times where, you know, like I can think back to the past where I had a listing in a small building, you know, only five units in Vancouver. There are no comparables. There's nothing else like it. Nothing had sold in two years. I knew we were overpriced, but I, I didn't confidently know, are we 10 grand overpriced? Are we 30 grand overpriced? And in those situations, I think it can be helpful to say, look, we're going to reduce by 10. We're going to give it three weeks. If we don't get it, we're going to reduce by another 10. See what the market reacts to. We'll know when we're at the right spot because we'll consistently be getting three to five showings a week. And that's when we'll kind of know like, okay, we're in the right zone here. Like sometimes depending on how much information you can have, I do think small price reductions incrementally can be the right strategy. I think, and I don't want to, I don't want to really carry on with a whole lot of debate here. I think we're always going to be on a, a different philosophical plane as this, but the conversation we have with the seller is put yourself in the buyer's shoes. You saw something asking 540 and now it's asking uh, 525. Does that change your opinion 
on going and doing a viewing at that property? And they would say, no, I probably already saw it on the market at 540 and at 525, it doesn't really change my opinion. I would have gone and seen it anyway at 540. Like it needs to yeah, be something I, more. To... <laughs> sorry. Hey dad. Hi dad. <laughs> I, yeah, I mean, I, I completely disagree with you on, on that. And we are multiple offers. We are supposed to be disagreeing. Um, I do think there are times where a $10,000 price reduction does make a big difference. Um, but five, we're getting... What's that? Oh, I'm, I'm on the same page with you about five grand price reductions. I, I think. No, no, I mean, I mean like if you're like over the, like say you're, if you're, it's listed at five ten, and you're like, we need the four ninety nine. Well, that, that's where I was going to go with that is it really depends where your price is too, right? Like if you're in those $25,000 chunks, you know, if you're asking Jared's point, exactly. If you're asking five ten and four ninety nine, all of a sudden that's an entirely gigantic. And it can, it can depend too on like, we've got this, like, I know we all use the same tools, but for doing um, theoretical price drops to see sort of where the searches lie and, and see what, what we're getting based on those. Um, yeah. I mean, that's a, that's a piece of, definitely another piece of the puzzle. Yeah. I won't disagree. If you're at 510, 499 is the right number to move to from there. Um, but I'm, I'm unlike this, it's, it's a less likely scenario. Like we, we tend to be in bigger prices, bigger increments and not always hanging around those thresholds. It just, it does depend, right? But as a general statement, it takes a bigger price change in my opinion to get a buyer to change their opinion of coming to see the home. So uh, that's, that's just the, the, the overall philosophy, but we know everything is always open for individual analysis depending on what we think is going to work. Yeah, and, and then also the thing we're kind of not, factoring into the conversation too is just uh you know what the market is is doing as well right like there there definitely have been times where when the market's falling and you're like oh okay we were priced right for when we hit but we're just a little over now and it is sort of hitting hitting us right where you're like oh okay um i'll make one yeah. more point i'll make one more point too because i and that's important to note because oftentimes when you are dealing with price reductions, like unless you're just grossly overpriced, you're, the market is going down. And that's another argument for that 10 is, was never going to cut it. You're always going to be behind. Yeah. I don't know. You, you know, you, you know what it's like when you're chasing the market with, with, a, with a listing where they're, they're doing small inc incremental adjustments. Like you're, you're just, you're never like you should have, this new price should have been the price two months ago. Yeah, I mean, I, I 100% see what you're picturing because there definitely are times where you, like the market is falling and you're just playing catch up. You're like, oh, I priced it where it should have actually been two weeks ago, but we're not there anymore. I wish we were there two weeks ago and now in two weeks we won't be there anymore. Um, yeah, I, I can 100% uh, get on that page. And I, I think I think we all agree context matters, right? Like every listing is different they're they're you know ten thousand dollars on a million three not yeah. gonna be a drop in the bucket ten thousand dollars on a three hundred thousand dollar first time buyer condo that that might make a, a much more significant uh, impact um, maybe, maybe we can all agree that three percent is the magic number or more for price reduction three <laughs> percent <laughs> three it's a good number i think it's one that we can all get behind 
I was I was thinking three point four five. Uh oh. <laughs> or three point two five five even. Something like that. Uh, I, I think anybody listening gets the idea that we're all putting a lot of thought into it. We're gonna have some detailed conversations if that stuff ever comes up, right? So that's that's where we're coming from. Okay, thanks. Yeah. Cool. Well, uh, thanks for hanging out with us. Uh, if you want to get in touch with Matt or Jeremy, uh, you can reach them at thenewwestguys.com. I said that kind of funny, so I'll say it again, thenewwestguys.com. If you want to get a hold of me, Jeff McLennan, I am at realestatenewwest.com. Thank you guys very much. And we're all on YouTube if you want to watch videos. All the videos. <laughs>